I'm Johnny. I'm Heather. And I'm Jeff. And this is your movie hour. Your Movie Hour is a podcast that creates space in Adventism for exploring the profound truths about life and spirituality we can find in our favorite movies and television shows. This week, we're talking about Disney's live-action Aladdin. Let's introduce our panelists. We'll be answering what our name is, our occupation, and if we had one wish... If we stumbled upon a genie in a lamp, hypothetically speaking, what would we wish for? I am Johnny. I work as a pastor. And if I stumbled upon a genie and had one wish, I would wish for mad hops so that I could dunk because that would be awesome. That's the one one wish you would ask for. I like to set the bar low so you all can succeed. (laughs) Well, my name is Heather. I am a filmmaker and content creator. And if I had one wish that I could ask the genie. uh, That is such a loaded question. Because I feel like if I ask for something that's like just about me, then I'm not using my my one opportunity in the best way as possible. But if I was being purely... Mm. selfish and also not really thinking like long term Mm. i think i would ask the genie to give me a horse (laughs) yes (laughs) so that i could go on trail rides when i get stressed out (laughs) Hmm. i'm jeff and i am a pastor and i think the one thing that i would wish for is um, a travel genie <laughs> <laughs> that could take me wherever I wanted on some wild traveling oh. adventure at any moment because I'm constantly thinking about traveling and adventure. And yeah, it could fulfill my need for adventure all the time. Have you heard of Hotels.com? It's essentially a travel genie. It costs money. I'm. This wish is bypassing the cost. A free, oh. a free travel genie. Tra- travel genie where all of the accommodations are free. It's all in the details. Like it's. Oh, we have yes. to ask. In the, that's right. We have to ask in the details. So it would be a travel genie, who could uh, cover all my costs and my adventures and get me to locations immediately without the travel time mm. and other details. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm going to change my answer to match Jeff's. <laughs> that's very smart. <laughs> I'm keeping my hops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Heather, give us a synopsis. Okay, so I was supposed to prepare a synopsis, mm. and I was going to do that by studying because I'm an overachiever, um, and I was going to rewatch the movie, but I did not do that because at the point of this recording, it is not released on DVD yet. So <laughs> I'm just going to read the IMDb kind of log line. Um, I imagine that many of our listeners have already seen this movie, but here it is. A kind-hearted street urchin and a power-hungry grand vizier? Vizier. 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 A grand vizier. Okay, Mm. I have a question about that, but let me finish the sentence. (laughs) A power-hungry grand vizier vie for a magic lamp that has the power to make their deepest wishes come true. Okay, what's a vizier? A vizier is like a second in command to 
the sultan. sultan. Okay, well, yeah, high I, ranking political advisor or minister. Ooh. Yeah, I That's usually right. I usually hear about you know I usually hear the word connected to you know kind of Middle East you know roles and things like that. Mm. But you know, so it's kind of an archaic term. I'm gonna start using that in my everyday life. Like our dog Leo is my vizier. He's your grand vizier. He's the Ooh. grand vizier. Yeah, most definitely. He does make a lot of important decisions. I doubt you, grand vizier. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's kind of the key characters in the story? Okay, so key characters are the mariner slash genie, played by Will Smith. And then, of course, we have Aladdin, who, you know, is this young guy who lives on the street and uh, kind of spends his time stealing goods off of rich people to make ends meet. We have Princess Jasmine. Jafar, who is the Grand, Grand Vizier, Vizier. <laughs> uh, to the Sultan, who is Princess Jasmine's father. And we also have the princess's handmaiden, hand- handmaiden uh, Dahlia, who I love her. She's really funny. Yeah. Those are the main characters. And of course, our animal companions, Abu, the monkey, mm-hmm. and Iago, the parrot the parrot who is totally a narc Dude, he's evil <laughs> he's the constant evil narc parrot iago i was like terrified when the parrot became giant <laughs> it was a giant parrot <laughs> no oh, longer second place yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was very frightening in the theater also uh there's princess jasmine's uh tiger yeah, mm. raja raja oh i love that tiger which I wish he had played a little bit of a bigger part in mm-hmm. the movie, but it was cool anyways. So we know what it was about. We know our characters. How do we feel about Aladdin? I wasn't sure going into it if I would like it. I am very skeptical when Disney remakes their animated movies into live action. Because I'm a little uh, cynical, I guess, and feel like they're just not wanting to risk it on original property. But I... And you're sentimental. And I'm sentimental. I grew up watching these Disney movies, but I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was well done. Um, during the movie, I was a little like, I'm not sure about this when they added some certain elements, but when the credits rolled, I was very happy. I really enjoyed it. Hmm. It's a good move by Disney to redo this one. Very good move. I would say similar sediments as far as like, I don't like almost any like Disney movies. I never grew up watching them, so I went to go see it, and I was like, well, this is more like hanging out with friends. And then I sit down and watch it, and I feel like from the first few scenes, especially the ones of like them running around the marketplace, I was honestly hooked because I love Middle Eastern culture, and it was nostalgic, and a lot of memories of being in those old Medinas, and I was like, I'm in. <laughs> so I got bought in really fast, yeah. to be honest. I uh, I was sitting next to you, Jeff, mm-hmm. during the movie, and before the movie started, I asked you if you had seen the uh, animated Aladdin, and you said right. no. And so the whole movie, honestly, like I would turn and look at you to see your reactions to certain things, because it's just very rare to be able to mm-hmm. experience something that like 
is kind of classic to you with someone who has never seen it, particularly in adulthood. And so that was really special for me to see just how much you were enjoying it. Like you kind of had this childlike wonder with it. I felt like it. I was like lost in the movie. (laughs) Heather was watching two movies (laughs) that, that evening. For me, I I too really enjoyed the film. Similar uh, skepticism to Heather going in. Aladdin was one of my favorite Disney movies as I as I grew up, and I wasn't sure. You know, are they going to just really fall short? And like Heather, there were some times when like, oh, maybe that new song wasn't quite as it just wasn't as good as the old songs or or something like that. But by and large, I I came away feeling like they really did a better job with Middle Eastern culture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rather than than just falling into stereotypes than the original. And I really appreciated that. Uh, they also uh, actually had, you know, actors from from the area, the, the Middle East from yeah. that part of the world and versus just whitewashing everything mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, and again, kind of building off not just being stereotypical and so I really appreciated that. And also, though this might actually be counterintuitive to being true to the Middle East, it you know, it depends. But I did appreciate the the stand-up role that they gave Jasmine rather than in the original. She she seemed more objectified mm-hmm. and less less an actor in her own story. And in this film, she really was a key player mm-hmm. uh, in how events transpired. And I, I appreciated that. So I felt like the movie elevated. Uh, it elevated what the original mm-hmm. Aladdin had done. And so I, I really enjoyed that. The uh, At first with the kind of new Jasmine storyline, the first time that she sang her song what was it? I will not be silent or something like that. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was a little contrived and I am, you know, I am all for having more depth to female characters and more representation, but I don't want it to be at the expense of shoehorning things. And so at first I was a little worried with that, but by the end of the movie, I just felt so uh, resonant with Jasmine and I really felt like they did a fantastic job of making her a much more important part of the story. Not that she isn't important at all in the mm-hmm. in the animated movie. I think some of her limited character is also like a representation of maybe the world that she lives in. But this movie, I think that they, they did a good job with that. And by the end of the movie, I didn't feel like it was just contrived. I felt like there was a lot of depth to it. So I agree. So now let's talk about big ideas. Jeff, mm-hmm. what did you come away with from watching Aladdin? I think I came away with a lot of things and a lot of feelings, to be honest. Um kind of like I was saying earlier, just this nostalgia and excitement and dreamy state. And I actually, I went to the theater three times to watch this movie, (laughs) borderline four times. I almost went another time and I actually see it still in the theater. So I might do a fourth (laughs) in some locations. Like after you leave from recording this podcast, you're just going to It is possible. (laughs) If I could find like a $2 theater, I'm like, here I come, Aladdin. Um. But yeah, I think 
probably one of the big things that I stepped away from that was really touching for me is seeing that there's the the four major characters in the in the storyline. We see um, Jafar and Aladdin and Genie and Jasmine. They're all kind of are looking for something. Some of them more than others. Genie is like kind of the least. He's really like the servant of everyone else, but he still wants something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then how they all relate to power to get what they want. And I think that's where they're, we can, at least to me and my my lenses and personality and everything, that's how I see their uh, who they are as individuals the most, their characters come out. Mm-hmm. And so I think Jafar... Um, how he uses his wishes. First, he wishes for position, and then he wishes to be the greatest salt, not the great salt, the greatest, the most powerful sorcerer there ever was. Mm-hmm. And then the last one where he gets tricked is being the most powerful uh, person. And so just seeing like him basically literally chasing the exact same thing and how it actually destroys him. Yeah. But then you step back and seeing... Um, so Jasmine, she's got a really good character as a person. Like, I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm falling in love with you. Like, you are such a quality person. You're she not... has integrity. Yes, yes. Yeah. She's She wants to do, use, wants position for the purpose of serving and protecting her people. Mm-hmm. And I really like that about her um, her character. And I think... The other uh, two figures, we see Genie as another one that's a good character. He's really there to serve. He doesn't have an option to serve so much, but at the same time, you don't see him selfishly like, please use your wish to free me. Yeah. Like, like he really does, you can tell that he wants Aladdin's good. Yes. And he even gives like hints and, mm. and clues to try to uh, make Aladdin's wishes more uh effective or or whatever yeah like he he really does have a a good heart he likes to help yeah he like educates them on that a few times it's in the details (laughs) um so yeah and i think the the one that i like the most of all them though is is aladdin and how he runs down this um this direction of power first like and pretending like he's uh, a prince and yeah. then which makes sense as a yeah. the log line says he's a street urchin right and so yeah. he's been he's been trying to steal kind of his daily bread mm. you know for his entire life and so what is the solution to the aladdin problem well and it's a solution to multiple problems too because he he sees that jasmine like you saw jeff has integrity and that she's not just a pretty face but mm. she is this really cool person that wants to make the world a better place she's a princess Mm -hmm. you know she can't marry anyone who's not a prince so it's a it's a solution to multiple problems and Mm. essentially is kind of could be seen as a similar route to what jafar is taking where it's like an escalation of status Mm -hmm. and an escalation of power uh but his heart is maybe in a slightly different place at least up front yeah i i I really like how he has to go through that, like um, coming to terms with reality that, wow, my using this genie, I really can't get what I truly want in life. Mm. Power is not going to in position. Um, 
it's not ultimately going to give me what I want. And he sees, I think he learns that from watching Jafar and I can't be, uh, keep on, uh, you know, pretending to be this other person. I have to be who I am. And I think that's the beauty of the story to me is he comes out who he truly is. And then that's when Jasmine chooses him. Mm-hmm. And to me, like that's, that's the gospel. Wait, I thought that she chose him because of his like amazing dance moves. Is that not, <laughs> is that not why? Johnny <laughs> well, in, missed the, missed the point of the movie. <laughs> I, missed, I missed the whole thing. After the dance moves, I just, I was out. He was blown away. Man. Well, actually at that dance, um, Princess Jasmine's uh, assist helper, what's her name again? Dahlia. Yeah, Dahlia. Dahlia. She says, oh, he's so nice. Look, he's trying so hard. And then Princess Jasmine says, that's the problem. Yes. He's trying so hard. And I loved that narrative and that theme throughout the movie. It's like, don't try, huh. be. Mm. And so I liked that narrative, how it plays out throughout the whole movie. And she's used to people coming in and pretending that they're someone they're not, mm. or at least exaggerating, like, look at all these gifts I'm giving you or your father right. as a dowry or whatever. Like, she's used to people coming in and putting their best foot forward to the point of maybe lying. Mm-hmm. Um, and she doesn't really have tolerance for that, which, of course, then puts Aladdin in this predicament because he's doing that so that he can be with her, but that is the opposite of what she wants. Um, and when she sees his heart and who he is as a person, she really likes that. But then, you know, it creates conflict because there's this big secret. Obviously, mm. it's kind of the central central point of conflict in the, in the movie. But um, that's something I love about Jasmine is that she, I think, is good at measuring people. Mm. And Aladdin's, like, shining quality is not his dance moves or his riches or anything like that. It is his heart and essentially being, do you trust me? Yeah. Do you trust me being willing to set aside the perception of power and status Mm -hmm. for the goodness of what he really wants and the goodness of others? Hmm. Yeah. I think there's a, there was a song. I don't remember super clearly, even after three times, but something about do they see anything beyond just the street rat? Mm-hmm. They see who I truly am, and yeah. close to the beginning of the film. Yeah, and I think even he's like I'm more than just that, and he's fighting against that perception. He's struggling with that perception um, because people are constantly tagging and naming him as that. So mm-hmm. that two facedness. I guess is how we how we talk about it a lot, but really, I mean, it's a it's maybe it's not two facedness. It's it's pretending. It's it's putting a mask on. There are different mm-hmm. different kind of you know titles that you know different psychologists or teachers or pastors or you know whomever will will say will use in their conversation. Um, but most of us most of us don't have the opportunity to wish to have really good hops, you know, for example, or to become a prince or something like that. We, we can't do that, but we do have the ability to put a mask on Mm. and we do that. And I guess that is, I'm, I'm curious, you know, maybe for both of you, um, to explore like what, where, where do you see that? How do you experience that? 
because obviously, obviously the, the big idea that's sticking with you, Jeff, is mm-hmm. this like, he chose not to, he right. chose to be himself. You know, and I think that that resonates with all of us. We want vulnerability. We want mm-hmm. authenticity. We want it to be real, you know, because <laughs> uh, we're so sick of being marketed to. Yeah. We're so sick of um, just seeing the glossy varnish, you know, um, and it's easy to say we don't want it to be shown to us, but it's a lot harder at least for me to say, so I'm not going to show it to other people. And I'm going to mm. purposefully reveal the non-varnished, mm. the non-shiny part of me. Yeah, that's hard. I think the story of Aladdin is the human story. It's our struggle as humans in general, like on that path of trying to be who we truly are, the struggle facing these different dynamics and realities in life and and are we going to choose being like Jafar or are we going to come clean like Aladdin and be who we truly are? I, I, I think that that's especially, that's especially real in faith community. The example that, that jumps into my life and into, into my awareness as we're having this conversation is just exactly that we're having this conversation, the reality that sometimes in my faith community, um, as an Adventist, it's so easy to, um, even, you know, hide what I watch, you know, never talk about it. Don't, Mm. don't share that with anybody because it might not be Christian enough. It might not be holy enough. I might not be good enough. Um, I might not be a worthy enough leader. Mm. And, to a certain extent, I guess this podcast is an is an exercise in Aladdinhood uh, <laughs> to to say like this is this is who we are this is this is what we care about this is mm. you know um, so I so I see it there and I guess I guess I I want to be that kind of vulnerable you know I want to be that kind of open uh, so that I can find deeper life so that kind of brings me to something that stuck out to me. It's very much in the same line, but we just live in a in a society right now where projection of our better selves is commonplace. Mm. You know, we are very kind of public with our lives um, through social media. Uh, those of us who are in faith communities, who are in leadership or married to people who are in leadership, um, people are constantly looking at us for examples. There are these expectations of perfection or productive output or, or things like that. Um, and it's really hard to feel like we're ever actually good enough as just who we are. Mm-hmm. We feel like we can only show like our good moments or, um, that we have to boost up our good moments, whether it's, you know, cause we're posting on Instagram and have to look good and show that we're living our best lives. Or even when we're hanging out with friends or something, if we're, we're going through a tough time and, um, we don't feel like we can be real with that. We feel like we have to be like, Oh yeah, it's all good. Like I'm loving my new job or whatever. Um, that's such a common part of our world especially now in the digital age. And this is something that, you know, all these characters, particularly Aladdin and Jasmine, have to deal with. I suppose Jafar sort of deals with it, but 
um, he deals with it in a really negative way. Like, so for Aladdin, he's not enough because he is an orphan and he's grown up poor and he's just surviving. Hmm. So his life literally is not enough to meet his needs. I mean, he does okay, but you know, he lives in like an abandoned house. <laughs> yeah. Like, Pretty sweet one though. Yeah. <laughs> Great view. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but he, there's no, for him ability for upward mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Jasmine, she is not enough because she is a woman in this world and there are certain expectations for her that she's going to marry someone who will then rule or create an alliance or, or whatever, that she herself is not enough to run this country that she loves to take care of these people. She's not enough just because she's not a man. Um, and then Jafar, he doesn't, he maybe isn't enough or he doesn't feel like it's enough, but it's an entitlement. And I think for Jasmine and Aladdin, it's not entitlement. It's about dreaming. Hmm. You know, Aladdin dreams. Jasmine wants to make the world a better place, but there are these barriers for her. And Jafar, he just wants power and he feels entitled to it. Like it should be his. Intriguingly, coming out of the same kind of story we get more of his backstory in this film than in the original aladdin uh disney's aladdin you know he says that his background is much like aladdin's that he Mm -hmm. you know grew up in poverty as well that he um you know had nothing and he worked his way up and and magic was you know kind of the the instrument you know, through which he was able to attain power and he just became hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. Mm. And so he's kind of, um, he, he and Aladdin are, uh, kind of mirror images of each other. It's like, did kind you of take divergent paths? Yeah. So it's really interesting cause we can kind of resonate even though this setting is so different than our own and this world is, is different from our own. It's really not that different. Um, a lot of us feel inadequate and like we fall short in various ways but I think the point of the movie in the end particularly with Aladdin and Jasmine is that they don't fall short like they are enough you know Jasmine was enough to be a leader and Mm. the next sultan yeah the next sultan and like before even the end of the movie she's willing to do what it takes to take care of the people that she cares about, which is a leadership quality. So even if her world tried to tell her that she wasn't enough or even her own father, well, those are the rules or whatever, like she was enough. And then same thing with Aladdin. Um, As Jeff pointed out, like Aladdin's power was in him being who he was. Like that's how he solves the problem even is like returning to Mm. his, like who he really is, his roots. You know, all of the all of the costumes are off. I think it's really hard for us to to believe that in the the day in and day out that like, oh, yeah, I am enough because there are so many expectations. Another level of expectations is as a, as a woman, there are all these expectations about how I live my life, how I look, how much I weigh, how I spend my time. And that's a lot of pressure. And 
to see these characters kind of go through this journey and to have this conversation about this, that, that these characters are enough, sometimes it's good to have that reminder. It's tough to keep that in mind because life wears you down, but this it's, movie is a really good reminder of that. Yeah, it's still it's still true. Yeah. And being the pastor, one of the pastors in the room, I mean, I just, it's it's like Jeff's, you know, kind of point there to start out anyway. I mean, like that's what, the power of the gospel is or or should be you know that like we are um we are enough Mm. that we have um we have all the strength that we need or we have access to all the strength that we need that we can be ourselves that we can risk vulnerability that we can like that's that's kind of the ideal gospel i i i think yeah not not the whole of the gospel. There's more to the gospel message, but that that's mm-hmm. part of it. Right. Um, that's a whole nother angle is like, how often do we look at other people's spiritual lives and we see great things that they're doing or that's happening in their lives. And we look at ourselves and we're like, I could never do that. God could never use me. I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. My personality isn't right. Yeah. My, yeah, whatever skill set, whatever, you know, that person's a mover and a shaker. uh, They can lead the songs or they know they need to be a missionary or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. They have this confidence. But like God made us who we are for a reason. Who I am now, why can't that be it? Like who I'm supposed to be. Obviously, we grow. We learn things. Aladdin went through an arc where he learned that about himself. But mm. you know, he's still him. He's still Aladdin. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I that I love that you um, point out about Jasmine is that she really is a leader, and this ties into with with uh, Jeff your earlier you know comments on seeking after power. But it's interesting. Uh, Jafar wishes to become the Sultan. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Jasmine gives this speech to Hakim, uh, who isn't one of the major characters, really, but he's the captain of the guard. And she says, you know, like Jafar, um, he may have the he may he might be wearing the the garb of the sultan, the turban of the sultan, the you know, whatever. He's just been made the sultan. He has this position of sultan, but he isn't really the sultan. Mm-hmm. He isn't really the leader. He's not the leader of the people. It's the caliber of the leader that makes a leader. Um and so intriguingly, the power of the genie doesn't actually work. Mm. Which I hadn't thought of until mm. just this minute. Mm. Um genie didn't make him sultan. <laughs> he did the best that he could, sure. but it was a facade. Couldn't change uh, the inside, kind of just like with um, Aladdin. Yeah. Yeah. Only change the external circumstances. And so then when Hakim's allegiance, you know, reoriented back to who the actual leader was based on her character, mm-hmm. her leadership mm-hmm. skills, what she valued, the people that she loved, that she cherished, that she wanted to protect. Um, again, her being who she truly was. Um, the enough that is Jasmine. Um, called out to Hakim in a way that was so compelling that he couldn't resist it. Mm-hmm. And so he changed. And that, I guess that's the power of integrity. That's the power of character. And leaning into who we are. Instead of letting a challenge kind of show us that we're not enough, 
like leaning into the challenge and using who we are to solve it, to solve the problem and mm. to, to rise. Oh, that's been big for me recently. That's been a big journey of, uh, just personal disclosure. It's been so easy for me to be distracted by the problems that I face. Um, to be not just, not just distracted, but really discouraged, um, to feel like, Oh, if I were, um, if I were cooler, if I were better, if I were, um, a, yeah, if I were a better pastor, honestly, you know, then I would not have to struggle with these issues. You know, we would resolve conflicts that the church would, you know, change and flourish in these certain ways differently than they are, you know? And, um, it's like, it's this wish that life would just be easy. Um, but seeing in these challenges, the opportunity, um, and the trust, I think even that, that God has in, in the team of leaders that's in my church or in my community, Mm. you know, to, to let us, to allow us to face these issues and tangle with them. Like that is empowering. Like I'm not facing challenges because I'm weak. I'm facing challenges because I'm strong. Mm. Hmm. Paradigm shifter. Yeah. Really substantial part of my journey right now. Here's here. Okay. So here's my, the, the big idea. Um, and also kind of a, a question for you. Uh, when you think about, uh, magic, does, does magic here used in Aladdin, does magic have like a morality? Like is magic good or bad? Hmm. And the reason there, uh, I'll give you a little bit of background because I'm kind of springing this question on you and I've thought about it a lot as, as, as I watch this, but like when you watch, uh, say, uh, Harry Potter or, um, maybe Lord of the Rings or something like this, it, it really seems like you have good, um, you have good magicians, people who use magic for good and you have bad magicians. Like there's a very clear delineation of motives and sides. Yes. But magic itself is, uh, is kind of amoral. It, it doesn't have any, any arc Just in, depends in on one who's direction. Using it. it depends who's using it. And, and of course, in some of these stories, there are certain spells that maybe you should never use. Magic mm. should never, you know, that, you know, there's, 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 there is magic that's inherently dark, but the, the reason why I think about it here in Aladdin is because it seems to me that magic has a, um, and it's, it's very, uh, maybe implicit in the story. It's not clearly stated anywhere, but I think that magic has a, a negative skew, a negative slant mm-hmm. in Aladdin that, um, that magic, if you were to ask the, the universal authority in the story of Aladdin, uh, the writer or <laughs> director or somebody, you know, if they really thought about it, that they, that they might say that um, magic is, is a power that tempts people. Hmm. Because all uses of magic, mm. obviously Jafar's use of magic is evil, um, or it's meant to be evil, right? He's, he's bewitching the sultan and others mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. with his staff so that i mean you can see that as as deceitful as lying as as whatever but even even the the genie's magic 
seems to be magic that is uh, fundamentally misled in each one of its actions. Mm. It's like a ends justify the means magic. Yeah. But that's it. It doesn't really have a, a good quality unless you consider the end result. And even then, that could be considered a, a selfish result. You know, Aladdin wants to right. marry Princess Jasmine or, or whatever. Yeah, it seems it seems like there is at at the very least, and I and I could very much imagine you know a world in which or a scenario in the Aladdin world in which it would be different. Like for example, had Aladdin wished that everyone in Agrabah would have food for the rest of their lives, hmm. you know, he could have asked mm. that, you know. But much like our initial question about the wish, right? <laughs> like everyone is is choosing things that seem kind of fundamentally like selfish and petty. Um, in the Aladdin story, which gives magic kind of this negative moral slant, which I just thought was interesting. Well, and even the genie's existence, like his ability to bestow magic in this world is based on him being oppressed. Yes, he's a slave. Captive, he is essentially Mm -hmm. a slave. And so even though his heart is, I want to help people or whatever, like it's not his choice. Like he he must do it. And hmm. can magic that is done at the hands or on the back of someone who is oppressed, could it ever be good? Mm. And this, the genie's magic is the closest thing that we have in this world of seeing good magic. Yeah. But even then, it's, it's not. Mm. It's like, it's, it's a dirty magic can something be good when it's built on the backs of the oppressed? Snap. It seems like a lot of movies are kind of, um, a lot of magic has been coming out in a lot of film recently. And personally, it gives me a little anxiety, to be honest, Mm. because I've had some run-ins, personally interactions, experiences that weren't the most like, long-term favorable in that area um yeah so it's just like it it needing to have some sort of worldview to be able to work from to like interpret and relate to magic and films and Mm -hmm. also my personal life like how do i view that what does it look like and how i relate to it in my own life do i want to get close to it do i want to distance myself from it like i've i've had to do a lot of personal inspection with that on a number of levels Mm -hmm. because there's I don't think this is just the children's like oh sweet little genie and his powers and Jafar and his staff like I think it's it's not just cinematic there's a real reality of this just like Aladdin story is we can relate to the the reality of magic in the world not just is real not just in the movie like it's cinematic it's real in our world Mm -hmm. And how do we relate to that? Yeah. Well, and that's a, that's a, I think you're taking the conversation really to the next level, Jeff, that like, like, I, I think that in, in film in general, you know, we have kind of these portrayals where magic is just like straight up a thing. So then I think society kind of views those as well. Like these stories are just fiction, you know, magic isn't a thing. At least that seems to be the, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, mm-hmm. like where, when I talk to people, oh yeah, 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 that's Harry Potter. Obviously there's not magic, you know? Um, 
said the muggles. Um, <laughs> but then you have, you know, maybe your Sherlock Holmes, you know, come out your, your stories where, um, you know, the, the recent one with Robert, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, recent one. Yeah. Relatively. Yeah. Not as recent as masterpiece. Uh, uh, anyway, but you know, within the last 15 years and, uh, you know, it's, it's this, you know, the whole movie you're like, at least for the, until maybe the last 20, 30 minutes of the movie, it's like, this is magic. And then of course, no, 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 it's not. There's a, there's a scientific, a materialistic explanation, Explanation. you know? And so it seems like these are kind of the two narratives that society takes when, um, you know, it really kind of excludes the idea that there could actually be real, real magic. And of Mm -hmm. course, popular Satanism now is not, uh, for the most part, at least in, in all the materials, and I don't have any reason to disbelieve them is, is essentially a, a, a humanism that likes to be dressed in the metaphor of Satan, you know, Hmm. so it's not necessarily people. Um, in fact, not even necessarily, I would say that it's not people, you know, who are like, ah, yes, I should slaughter this goat casting spells for this. And yeah. And this kind of thing. It's, it's not, it really Mm -hmm. is. It's humanism dressed in the metaphor of an enemy of God, Hmm. you know? Um, and so, uh, you know, we just, you know, but what about magic? (laughs) Let me take this in a slightly different direction. Often when we're talking about magic and, you know, that we need to take it seriously as Christians, you know, we're like, we just need to be careful. But like, when we read the Bible and we read about things that happen in the Bible, this idea that there is a God, you know, some sort of being that's higher than us that can influence the world outside of what we can see. Is that not magic? Hmm. So like in our world, <laughs> yeah, magic can be good. You know, if you believe in the Bible and that God is real and, Mm. you know, in kind of a a traditional worldview, Christian worldview, like magic can be positive. Yeah, the the miraculous, the unexplainable, the I think that the the key difference between, uh, you know, magic proper and maybe the the divine miracles, you know, as, as I understand them, is that you know, magic proper usually has a, a series of steps in which the practitioner exercises control over the process. Whereas, you know, whether it's, you know, here are these cards that are going to tell the future, whether it's, you know, this is an incantation or, or ingredients that I'm going to mix or whatever, whereas God is not controllable, but, but yes, fundamentally it is something beyond just a scientific. Probably still a, there's a level of like not breaking um, natural law beyond what we know. So I would say it's probably, there's probably some sort of natural law that they have understanding and access to that they're still working through, but it's not attainable and understandable in a human level because they're not break. I wouldn't think they'd be breaking natural law to by, access and work through it. By they, do you mean practitioners of magic? Do you mean divine beings? Or? Divine beings and via uh, being exercised through humans connecting and working through them so that's where i like we refer to magic i still think it's through natural law but it's just undiscoverable natural law that's so beyond human understanding that that's why we 
coin it magic. That's interesting. That's my that's my own personal <laughs> musings hypothesis. So I guess, you know, we're talking about magic and we're talking about stories. And maybe that's why, you know, as Christians, we sometimes, especially stereotypically, run away from stories that have magic in them. Mm-hmm. But why is our culture always returning to them? Maybe some of it is a hope, a wish that there's something that's kind of above us. Mm, yeah. Uh, but maybe also some of it is like we are naturally attracted to this idea that there, I mean, I guess it's the same thing. There's something above us. There's rules and ways of doing things that are miraculous to us. Hmm. And as Christians, we can, you know, disengage from things that contain magic. We can say, oh, don't mess with that. It's evil. And I'm not saying we shouldn't ever think about those kinds of things critically. But the fact that these stories that contain magic are so magical Mm -hmm. (laughs) to us you know, whether we grew up with it or even as adults, I mean, that says something about the human desire for something outside of ourselves. Yeah, the the human psyche, our, our deeply internal disposition, you know, for, for something more, which intriguingly brings me back to all of this uh to the to the initial you know use of magic in aladdin it seems like the the theme there too is that like if it if it comes too easy it's not worth having Mm. um which is an interesting way of relating to magic and miracles or or even you know as we as christians relate to miracles and and pray for miracles and things like that which Mm. you know like um some of these shortcuts, this idea that the shortcuts will not bring you um, all the happiness that mm. you want, that sometimes it's it's facing the reality of who you are and tangling with that um, and being honest about that, that, that brings, you know, the, the truest, the most successful life. Yeah. Mm. Great big ideas. But that brings me to, to really, I think, one of the core questions Uh, of our podcast and that is out of all of these ideas all of this stuff good stuff how has watching aladdin impacted you most did you learn something what's what's most meaningful to you is it changing something about you how's it impacted you most so because this was a remake and i could kind of compare some things from the original animated movie to this one Um, I just, I felt very empowered by Jasmine's different story arc, her realization that she can't allow others to limit her was an important thing that I kind of walked out of the theater with, because that's something that I get from a lot of different places all at once as a woman. I think we get that in general as people, but especially being a woman, and being a woman in an industry that is dominated by men. 
And in a literal sense, it felt really hopeful for me to see the change in the character between the two movies, like the industry and our culture is doing better. So it's something that really impacted me. And I mean, thus far... That leaves a mark, yeah. Yeah, it leaves a mark. And thus far, you know, I don't just like wake up in the morning and like think of Jasmine or something. (laughs) But especially after conversations like this, like we've had about this podcast, when I'm struggling, I might refer to her and be inspired by her song that at first I was like a little annoyed with because I felt like it was contrived. But now it's it's actually like a very powerful thing Mm. for me, especially when, you know, I've had situations lately where I've seen some things that needed to change. And so I was like, okay, I can't be silent, you know. Jeff, what about you? So I think it's, uh, this movie was actually really impactful for me uh, in the sense that the second time I went to go watch it, I was by myself, happily, sitting down, soaking in the journey through the movie, and then God spoke to me. Hmm. And... It's, I'm not one of those people where I'm like, every day I'm like, God spoke to me and I went and got a cup of coffee or something. I mean, I'm like legitimately, I really deeply tangibly like, um, like something distilled very clear in my mind. And that was while I was watching it and seeing, um, it's so dreamy for me in so many levels. I feel like I relate to Aladdin a lot and like his reality was not... Uh, and his dreams were not aligning. And so while I'm watching this, this is subconsciously going on. And then God speaks to me and says, Jeff, give me your dreams. Hmm. And so that was, wow. Okay. Scared. I don't want to give you my dreams at first, God, because <laughs> are you going to fulfill them? <laughs> yeah. And then like coming to this realization in my own journey, like, whoa, no. I do trust you, God, and I actually do believe that you can bring out my dreams better than I can after seeing you work in my life at this point. So, and also it's kind of another shock, like God just spoke to me in a movie. This is so cool. Like sometimes I've grown up, you know, with this perception of like anything good will stay at the door while you walk in. Yeah. And I guess in that movie, someone was in there with me speaking to me and I pretty clearly believe that was God because knowing my own journey and where I'm at and everything, it was just like, whoa, like this exactly where I was at, what I needed and helped me put like another foot down in a certain direction. And so, yeah, it was, it's kind of crazy. God's speaking to me in a movie. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Something else that that I that I hear that I just love in what you said, Jeff, is that like, um, I think that the theological, the traditional kind of Christian term mm. for this, you know, Jeff, Johnny, Heather, give me your dreams, you know, is surrender. Mm. Mm. Um, and oftentimes in Christianity, that idea of surrender has a very negative. Um, uh, we 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 say it like it's a negative, like, well, brother. You just got to surrender more, you know, or, you know, Mm. whatever. Are you going to be the king of your life or is Jesus going to be the king of your life? You know, time to suffer. It can be a spiritually abusive mechanism actually for a lot of people and a trigger. Totally. 
has been for me. Mm-hmm. But but what you saw is like, um, or or how you conveyed it just now, at least what I heard was was kind of like a transformation from from that um, that connotation of surrender to to more of like a connotation of of opportunity. Mm. You know, so yes, it is surrender. It is giving up something, but it's it's more of like a like the investment that you'd be you'd be stupid to pass down, you know, or pass up rather than, you know, the the cost that's so great that you'd be stupid to pay it out. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also kind of a gospel image, you know, sell what you have so you can buy the field so that you can have all the treasure, sell mm-hmm. what you have so that you can buy this amazing pearl. Mm-hmm. Um, In the context of this, the movie of Aladdin is a fantastic parable about surrendering, you know, mm-hmm. Like, it's just very poignant, the final, you know, kind of showdown scene. And I think that's just so great that, like, God can use movies as parables for us. Like, we as human beings, we love stories. Like, I think Mm -hmm. we're kind of programmed to love stories. The Bible essentially is a storybook. We resonate with those things, and sometimes when we hear particular stories, it can open our eyes to things um, and open our hearts to things. Hmm. What if, like, I mean, in Jesus' day, parables were common stories that were passed down and were common in the culture. I mean, movies and TV shows are common narratives in our culture. And, I mean, maybe if Jesus was here today maybe he would have he would be using some of these to like communicate to us gospel truths because he hmm. just did to me yeah for me when i when i consider how watching aladdin has impacted me most uh, donald miller in searching for god knows what uh, in the one of the early chapters he has this really great quote about how um and and it's it's like a whole paragraph, so I, I I haven't memorized it, but he said, you know, Christian authors or or whatever self help authors will, you know, they'll have some sort of breakthrough in their lives, and they'll they'll do it, and they'll they'll realize something, and you know, and then they'll, they'll just be so jazzed, and then they'll say, oh, I want to share this with people, and so they'll write a book, and it will be you know the five steps to business success to making friends or or something like that and so they give their five steps as best that they can i mean he's he's being he's being generous he's being charitable in his assessment um but he says like really like those five steps just fall so far short or that secret insight falls so far short because what happened was and my story is going to far diverge from his but you know really like you went to tallahassee and you had this interaction with this person on the side of the road when you got, you know, out of your car from the airport. And then that put you in a certain mind state so that when you talked to your friend who is there in Tallahassee and you had this conversation, it sort of planted a seed and it kind of stuck in your mind. And then you came home and you were, you know, at your favorite bakery eating your favorite sandwich and boom, you know, something, something happened. And, you know, and so it's just that everything is so complex and, I guess I think about that here because right now I really, um, 
I, I look at Aladdin and the story and I guess I, I see it speaking um, the theme or a theme that's just been really true of my life in general right now. And so I'm like, yes, it's from Aladdin. I want to live this out. Aladdin is impacting me in this way, but really it's so many things that are impacting me in this way. And um, it's it's this idea of of being true and and doing life truly um that i that i want to be someone who is um honest about who i really am and and what i really think and um and that part of part of being honest is not just being honest but it's but it's doing honest mm. you know it's it's actually taking steps it's actually producing things it's actually affecting people around you through your actual actions and words you know it's not just it's not just an internal thing you know something you think about um not just a mental exercise but um it it really impacts the way that i want to like i want to live that way so you're saying is is integrity doing being they're like integrated they're not like the separated categorized differences they're like it's one yeah yeah exactly Hmm. like Aladdin doesn't just decide to like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with who I am. Like it has, it has real outworkings in the world, Mm -hmm. you know? And if he doesn't allow it to have those outworkings, then Jasmine will never realize, you know, we like to close with a surprise question. And this is the (laughs) surprise question for the day. These always stress me out. (laughs) (laughs) They stress me out too. Um, and I come up with them. Sometimes we should have Heather come up with a surprise question so it's so she doesn't have to be the only major stress bearer. So um, at the end, Aladdin says to Jafar at the end of their, their confrontation, their conflict, he says, but you aren't really, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, you're not really the most powerful mm. person in the room because, you know, the genie's more powerful than you. And how that closes then is Jafar becomes the most powerful being in the room. He becomes a genie himself. And that means that Jafar is then enslaved in a lamp. Here's the question. Right or wrong? Aladdin tricks Jafar into slavery you know, and conflict is resolved. Everyone's happy. We have a (laughs) wedding at the end, but Jafar has just been put into slavery. How long we got for this answer? (laughs) So just, uh, uh, just your knee jerk, your Mm. knee jerk thoughts, you know, in a couple, in a few, in a few sentences, right or wrong. And, and why is this a, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I'm petty. So I'm going to go ahead and say it was correct. (laughs) But I mean, if we were really having an intense ethics conversation about this, I, uh, I don't know what my answer would be. It might be an ends justify the means sort of situation, but, uh, it feels like just desserts. I would say he got what he had coming for him. It's deserved accountability bypassing due process because Mm. typically we'd have due process of, you know, going through the courts and all this stuff. But 
but Jafar has placed himself so far above this, they have to figure out how to trick him to be uh, entrapped. And so basically his street smarts, he bypasses due process to get the result of due process. I think one of the things that I, that I really like about Aladdin um, is that it's not really violent. Mm-hmm. It's not a we have a we we love the story of redemptive violence except for like that parrot like he oh. seemed very violent I I don't yeah. remember if he did any violence but he just looking at him was violence Ew. against I, me yeah. I hated that bird <laughs> it was so frightening they should have had like this duke out between the monkey and the bird like an actual <laughs> animal fight <sighs> yeah the yeah one of the things that I appreciated about it though is that. Um, this was this is an example that was at the very least like creative in in film where where it wasn't by you know being stronger by beating down the enemy um, with your with your physical brute strength that that brings resolution. It's uh, it's it's kind of a it's it's like you said Jeff a, a battle of street smarts so to speak like like um, and I I really appreciate this um some things can be resolved with our minds mm. rather mm. than with our fists yeah mm. yes and yes. so in that i i really like the way that it wraps up i it, it is it is tough and and the kind of slavery or servitude that being a genie is you know i don't really understand but it also it seems to me really like it's it's a lifetime sentence is is what it is you know rather than the electric chair um, which is oftentimes how our movies do it. It's they die. You know, the enemy dies. It ends with their death. Yeah. Um, but this is like, no, like you will be, um, which I, which I think is a pretty good enactment of, mm. of justice actually. But anyway, so I guess it's a, it's an answer, but it's a non-answer. There's a lot of things that I value about it. Um, I'm still a little bit, a little bit queasy. Um, but, but it was very interesting to me. Um, and so I kind of like that. So there's obviously a lot more that we could discuss as with every episode. So if you want to jump into the conversation, check out our Facebook group, go to Facebook and search your movie, our community, and go ahead and give us your thoughts on the movie, this episode, what your one wish to the genie would be. We'd love to hear that. Um, If you want to uh, send us an email, uh, give us your feedback or even include voice mail comments um, or questions, you can email us at yourmoviehour at gmail.com. Also, if you want to check out our individual contact info, you can check out our social media handles in the show notes on our website, yourmoviehour.com. If you like the podcast, please tell your friends. You can rate and review us on whichever podcast provider you use. And if you want to support us, you can also check out our Patreon, which has a bunch of fun perks. Thanks so much for joining us, Jeff. Street rats, that's a wrap. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right, Heather, give us a a synopsis. (laughs) Give us a synopsis or something. Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Oh, give us. There's a show. There's something we could talk about. Okay.